0: I've been touring the US for like 2017 and it's been great. It's all been sold out every show and then turned to festivals. And for me, it's more of a thing where the US is a place that clearly has so much going on that it's almost unblameable if they take a while to look outside of their own. (laughs) Because, and the same thing with everywhere else in the world. The only thing is the US has Hollywood and all this. So it's amplified more and it's the cool factor, really. But at the end of the day, we're all going through the same shit. But the fact that the U.S. is so amplified and they have all this going on, you can't really blame the U.S. for being late to look outside.
1: This is Nas. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 years of hip-hop. Hey,
2: this is your co-host Minya O, a.k.a. Misinfo. Burnaboy has taken the world by storm with his very special brand of Afrofusion. But his sound also clearly reflects a lifelong love of hip-hop music as well. We got to talk about his rap influences, his time in London, and his personal ties to the legendary Fela Kuti. This
1: episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Nigeria's own Burner Boy is an international superstar at the forefront of the Afrofusion movement. Massive hit songs like On The Low and Yeah have brought the African sound to all parts of the planet and Burner Boy shows no sign of slowing down. Incredibly, his music has surpassed 1 billion views on YouTube and his triumphant Coachella performance was a statement to all. He's an artist who demands his respect. He may be a leader of Afrofusion, but Burna Boy's whole thing is undoubtedly rooted in hip-hop. It's really no surprise to learn that he's a lifelong BMX fan and that he chose Puff to executive produce his album, Twice as Tall. Hip-hop is in his DNA, which means he can't stop as he continues to take it to the next level. When I was young, my pops... Mr. Olu Dara. Yeah. He took on a Nigerian name, but he's very aware of lots of different cultures. So I grew up listening to Fela.
0: Fela, yeah. And,
1: um, you know, he later became one of my favorite artists in the world. So I know you grew up there, and there's some connection between yeah. your,
0: your grandfather. Yeah, my granddad was his manager.
1: I assume he was a heavy influence. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, my granddad would, have, before he even became Fela's manager. He was like a radio DJ in Lagos, so yeah. all the records he had them all. I wasn't even born all these times. Mind right you. when I was born, obviously he's in, you know, and, and like he has all these records. All every vinyl <laughs> that ever came out from any Nigerian was in his possession. And still is, and he's passing down to me and stuff. So that's always been him. He's always the one that would tell me, yo. Cause I used to think my voice was shit <laughs> when I started. Wow. <laughs> I used to think my voice was shit. And then he's the one he would tell me, nah, your voice is can be compared to a saxophone. It's like if a saxophone doesn't have the right melodies, it sounds shit. Wow. Yeah. Have, you understand? So yeah. So I started like making melodies from saxophone and making everything from my from a saxophone. <laughs> so I'll just play some shit and just sing the same shit. <laughs> so that's kinda how I trained my voice, you
1: know? Your voice is probably the craziest voice out there. I mean, that in a good (laughs) way. Instantly
2: right. I mean,
1: it's amazing, beautiful harmonies. It must feel good to see the music you do, African
0: fusion. Yeah, Afro
1: fusion. Afro fusion. It must be great to see the world just loving it because a lot of music is like hip-hop, reggaeton, reggae reggae music are all... Derivatives from African music, you know, they all have the beat, they all have the rhythm and the feeling. So to see you representing the origin, really, what most music comes from at the forefront right now, and you represent it impeccably. You know Appreciate what I'm saying? That, so man. That's um,
0: big coming from you still.
1: <laughs> right? It feels good to me. So to me, you represent the entire continent, not just Nigeria. That's a lot of weight on your shoulders, but it looks like you're doing just fine.
0: (laughs) I mean, to whom much is given, much is expected. Right. And God doesn't give people more than they can bear. So for me, I just feel like I'm just playing my part. I don't feel any pressure at all. You know, I just feel like everything I'm doing is what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like everything I'm not doing is what I'm not supposed to do. So I'm kind of in a place where I just like to move forward. Not really be distracted or confused and lost by whatever is in front of me, you know?
1: You sound like the newest of the new. At the same time, you can tell that you came up around this music. The foundation. Yeah, yeah the yeah, foundation yeah, of all music. You can music. hear all of that in mm-hmm. you. Like, the way you jump into your songs, your ad libs, even if I don't know the language, mm-hmm. you know, I think people can just feel the spirit in yeah. it. Yeah. How did you get into music? <sighs>
0: I've never really gotten a straight answer for this one. (laughs)
2: Music is everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's just been there. It's just always been there, and it's always been in me, and I've always been about music as well. So there wasn't really a starting point that I can put my finger on and say this is when I started music or when I fell in love with music. It's just been me. Apparently, when I was a kid, when my fucking schoolmates and stuff were singing nursery rhymes, I was jumping on tables singing Naughty by Nature, hip hop array and stuff.
2: Oh, <laughs> word? So, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> right.
0: yeah, that's always been me, you know?
1: In Nigeria. Yeah. Because I've been there and I feel like a New York energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: out there in Lagos. That's Lagos, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: That's definitely Lagos. It's the same idea,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know? It's the same fast paced. You know how New York is, man, like everything's on top of each other and everyone's just on the move and everyone's in a hurry, not even really sure where they're going. So it's just all the same concept, you know, it's just facilities and infrastructure that's different.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you were saying that you weren't sure how you came into music, but it's so evident from both of what you guys are saying Mm -hmm. that you're born into it. And we see this over and over again with the people that we're talking to on this podcast is that a lot of them are born into it. It's support from family. Mm. It's something that was playing in the house. It's connections with people like your grandfather. Mm. But when you were listening to Naughty by Nature, what was their reaction to this American music?
0: I mean, you have to understand Nigeria is, or was a place where it's like, we just love the American, the hip hop culture. For me at the time, as I was when I was young, and my granddad was you know doing all this in his retiring stage i didn't really like to listen to fellas music i didn't want to listen to all those records he had like i wanted to listen to dmx i wanted to listen to nas that's what we wanted to listen to you know at the time as kids the more i grew up the more i realized the value of what i had in front of me you understand mm. and so that kind of just blended together and i had my dad who would play Super Cat <laughs> yeah. on Sundays and in he's little Mercedes and stuff and all them Ninja Mans and stuff like that. So I was exposed to a lot of different cultures through music. Mm.
1: Do you have a favorite DMX album?
0: I don't think I have one favorite one, to be fair. Yeah. You know, because for a long time, he was my favorite rapper, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't really know which one. Maybe Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My, that yeah. one. Mm. Yeah. The one that really kind of, Fuck me up was the Damien one.
1: Oh, yeah. One, yeah, 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 that one, that's yeah. the one
0: that made me understand the concept of like storytelling.
1: Right.
2: Hmm.
1: Phenomenal. Yeah. What he does on that record is crazy.
2: It's not necessarily something that you emulated, though. You were mm. doing a much yeah. more smoother melodic stuff. But yeah, then but... there was that one song that you have recently, Monsters You Made. Yeah. Mm. And that energy is very yeah. dark.
1: I got a question. African Giant. What made you go with Coachella. that title? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, can you tell me about this Coachella story? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so
0: at the time, I was in a point in my life where it's like, I was touring so much. I was experiencing so much. Like, I'm literally selling out venues that people that wouldn't live in the place can't sell out. <laughs> you right. understand? Yeah. And, and I'm still, in a way, dealing with some... I don't know what to call it. I'm not going to give it a tag because I'm trying to be politically correct and I'm not really sure what it is, whether it's because I'm black or because I'm from Nigeria or because of the way I speak English or something. But maybe it's a complex at the time because of a lot of things I was seeing. Like, it'll be little things like I'll land in the airport and then they'll make us wait separately because of our Nigerian passport. Yeah. So a lot of weird things were happening at the time. And, and it's not like they weren't happening the whole time. It's just that now I've been touring for so long now and it's still going on. I got booked to perform at Coachella around this same time where I'm still in my feelings. Yeah, Coachella is something, obviously, we're super proud of. Yeah. Because shit. It's (laughs) Coachella. (laughs) It's show, (laughs) yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So, obviously, I've told a couple of my people, yeah, I'm about to do Coachella for sure, and blah, blah, blah. And we're ready and stuff. And then the lineup comes out. Mm -hmm. I literally couldn't find where they put my name at.
2: (laughs) You need a magnifying glass.
0: Yeah. So, and then someone just circled it and sent it like this. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's where... You know. African giant. Yeah,
1: exactly. Recognize. Put some respect on my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, talk yeah. your shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Nah, yes. this man has a swimming pool yeah. that was in Architectural Digest. <laughs> wow. And at the bottom of the swimming pool.
1: Yeah. Where is this
2: African at? giant.
0: Yeah, that's our Lagos house.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> Yo, it's like a palace. I'm not mad. <laughs> so it's in
1: the floor yeah, of the pool. Yeah, it's, it's like Come embedded on, man. in the- That's what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about, bro. Facts.
2: We're talking about the 50 years of hip-hop. We're talking about the bridges between different generations and different styles and genres. And this was the one thing that we needed. We needed to be able to speak to what is the bridge between where it all started, Africa and America, hip-hop and Afrofusion. So if there's anything that you feel about this history of hip-hop that you're sort of stepping into.
0: The truth about it is hip-hop is something that if there was no hip hop, a lot of things in the world wouldn't be the way they are.
1: Yeah.
0: Like 98% of things that's going on right now in the world wouldn't be going on without hip hop. And that's facts. <laughs> Including myself <laughs> and everybody coming out. Me too. You understand? All of us, here. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, there's a bridge that's already there. <laughs> All you have to do is drive up to it and cross it. <laughs> you understand, but the thing is, not too many people know of this bridge's existence because they don't necessarily there.
2: see that as a child in Lagos, you are already exactly, hip hop.
0: Exactly, we have Afro rap. <laughs> I mean, look at what I'm wearing for Christ's sake! <laughs> you know, <laughs> very this is, fly.
2: Yeah, a lot of ice. Yeah, so lot at the of end ice. of the day,
0: it's like <laughs> hip hop now is in everything. Hip hop is now bigger than just hip hop and rapping and beefing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Right now. Hip-hop is in jazz. Hip-hop is in everything. (laughs) Hip-hop is in in fucking gospel music, you find hip-hop. It just needs to be capitalized on more and utilized more for greater purposes other than just the music, which is the foundation.
2: Well, you seem to do a lot of big features with huge pop acts. It'll be Coldplay, you know, on your album, Justin Bieber getting you on his album. Where's the hip-hop collabs?
0: See, one thing about me is oh my every collab I've ever done happened very organically. There's never been a plan. None thing I've planned has ever worked out like that. <laughs> you understand this? I haven't really planned a collaboration that actually came through when it needed to come through. It's never been that. For me, that's one thing I'm very thankful for. I think it's a winning formula. <laughs>
1: that's got to feel good because, you know, phone calls I know come in and non-stop. Nah,
0: Right, like Everybody
1: wants to feature, everybody wants to record with you, it's like, damn, some of these people you really like, but the timing doesn't work and Mm. the energy is not there at the moment.
2: Do you have a wish list? Oh,
0: man. One thing about me is I hate disappointment. So I don't like to put myself in a position to be disappointed. That's why I don't wish for things. You know, I just hope for the best and prepare for the worst.
2: Yeah. Stay humble that way too, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: you can't really lose that way, you know?
1: This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I think me and you won awards.
2: A little
0: something. A little something. A little something a little called something. the Grammy. <laughs> yeah. Congrats,
1: my new LG. Thank you, brother. Congrats to you, too. Is that your first one?
0: Yeah, that's my first
1: one. Same here. It's interesting. No way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't got many yes. awards, but, you know, I don't blame anybody. I, I love the awards. I love it. I love going, even if I'm not nominated. Looks like high school. Everybody's back for a reunion. You get to see all your old classmates and music. The ones you never met. Ones that were before you, I love it all. I never really cared that much about, because it just seems so political. Leave it to that.
0: But, you know, when all I right. got nominated for my first Grammy, yeah. that's when I was like, oh, shit, this means more than me. Yeah. You understand? Because the reaction from my whole continent is just on some mm-hmm. shit that I said, okay, whether you care or not, right? this is more important than anything you can think about it. Right, right. <laughs> so that's why when I lost the first one, it hurt so bad because, wow. Yeah, it really did because it wasn't about me. <laughs> you understand? Right. It was about what's happening now that I've won it now. And now everybody in my whole continent believes it's reachable. Now nobody talks about it like it's something that is just unbelievably unreachable. Right. You know, nobody talks about anything like it's unbelievably unreachable anymore. So I feel like if that didn't happen, that might have slowed that process
1: down. Yeah, and also the people who work with you on the record, exactly, they want that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It's good for everybody to. Yeah.
2: But both of you guys saying that you won Grammys and and Nas saying that this was his first, to me, it really says more about the Grammys than it does about you guys. It just yeah. says that the Grammys have finally come to a place yeah. of reality. Yeah. The fact that before your music was always kind of like siloed in the States, at least, as world beat. Yeah. And now it is the predominant musical sound. It is everywhere. You're sort of admitting that the Grammys didn't mean something to you, but now you see like now it's important because it's open doors or it's solidified things. You know, it's
0: like I always knew that it meant a lot. Yeah. Like It meant the world. But for me, I've never expected it was really something I could reach like that. Mm. <laughs> And when I realized it was something I could reach, was when I got my first nomination for the African Giant Album. That's when my eyes opened and the whole continent's eyes opened. Because really and truly, the people my age and younger never really get this kind of opportunity and this kind of respect and regard. (laughs) This was something that was much bigger than me. It was something that has motivated the whole continent now to the point where they talk about things that would seem so far out of reach, like, Cause some shit they can do tomorrow, <laughs> mm. you know? For me, that's the winner. That's what I won there. That's my piece of history written. Like, this is what I've done for the generation that's coming after me and the generation that's with me. <laughs> so for me, that's what I'm proud of, really, even more than the actual award itself, you know?
2: Do you feel like the U.S. is late?
0: The U.S. is late for everything. So late, right? We don't hold it against you.
2: <laughs> you moving to London... Was it like fish out of water? Was it very natural because there's like a built-in Nigerian community?
0: Yeah, there was a Nigerian community. But when I got to London, I didn't really want to go to London and be with a Nigerian community. Because that kind of defeats the purpose. I was trying to understand more. And that kind of led me through a weird path. (laughs) Glory be to God, I came out on the bright side of the tunnel. But I feel like that's what shaped me into the man I am. Hmm. It was London, you know?
1: I love London.
0: Yeah,
1: shout out to London. For real, one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, out over the pond.
0: Yeah, it's cause it's so real. It's like London will teach you that your decisions are your responsibility. That's what the streets of London will teach you. <laughs> you <laughs> Why well, it's
2: not? It's not sweet.
0: I mean, it's not. It's, it is what you make it. Mm. At the end of the day, different people have different opportunities exposed to them. Obviously, if I stayed in Nigeria and I didn't do no school or whatever, I'm from the south side of Nigeria, Potakot. That's where the oil is and the militancy and stuff like that used to happen and stuff. So I could have been that. (laughs) You know, I could have been over there fighting for oil and doing all that. I could have stayed in London doing what I was doing and just gone in and out of jail. And so it just kind of makes you understand that, look, you're responsible for your decisions and your decisions are going to be equals to your life or your death. (laughs) You understand?
2: We'll see you like your concerts, arenas, huge, massive arenas in Greece, in London, and then in the U.S. How much does that mean, the U.S. market?
0: It's the same thing I'm doing everywhere else I'm doing in the U.S. I've been touring the U.S. since like 2017. And it's been great. It's all been sold out, every show, and then turned to festivals. And for me, it's more of a thing where the U.S. is a place that clearly has so much going on that it's almost unblameable if they take a while to look outside of their own. Mm. (laughs) Because And the same thing with everywhere else in the world. The only thing is the U.S. has Hollywood and all this, so it's amplified more. And it's the cool factor, really. But at the end of the day, we're all going through the same shit. But the fact that the U.S. is so amplified and they have all this going on, you can't really blame the U.S. for being late to look outside,
1: you know? What's it like when you're home performing? Is it like a family reunion? Is like a festival, a party, a holiday, or is work, hard work?
0: It's not something I can right. explain. You just have to see it. It will make a whole lot more sense if <laughs> you're sorry.
2: Are you anonymous anywhere? Can you walk around anywhere and be anonymous? Or is it pandemonium everywhere you go?
0: It's like I'm not Justin Bieber or anything, you know, but I can't really walk everywhere. But I could put a hoodie on and, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> maybe a face mask thanks to COVID.
1: Yo, COVID has helped out I I been able to go places. It's
0: creep. <laughs> it's helped it the creepers gain
1: on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> put the mask on and go. It's I crazy.
2: Agree. Like you've been nonstop. Tell us about what what is it like, your daily grind?
0: I mean, for me, the only thing that stops me is the lockdown. You know? <laughs> Other than that, I'm just constantly on the move because like, I'm like a pikey traveler. I just like to be on the move. Me being in one place kind of makes me sick physically and <laughs> and spiritually and emotionally just staying in one place. So I like to be on the move doing whatever I have to do, you know?
2: Oh, that's interesting. So you're a born traveler. You don't yeah. want to be in one place. Yeah. Everywhere you go, do you make sure that you explore each place or is it just if i
0: have the chance because i some most of the time when i'm on tour i never really have the chance because it's day 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 today tomorrow the day after the day, you get me so it's like and it's all different places so but i only get a few hours in the city now it's a bit different where because i'm doing more festivals and more arenas and stuff so i have little breaks a couple days so i get to see new york and places like that you know
2: if you have a day in new york what do you do
0: well, yeah, I haven't even figured that out yet. So far, I've just been on some looking at the shops and like you know, you know mm-hmm. the what's popping in New York. You get me because New York got the fly shit as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta take you shopping.
1: You gotta yeah. take you around. You gotta take me shopping. <laughs> I gotta catch up. You drippy. Me now. Real drippy, bro. <laughs>
2: We know that you're very busy. We really yeah. appreciate that you Yo, man. took time out. Oh
0: man, I appreciate you having me, man. Just know every day you get to sit down with Nas and I talk know. a bunch of stuff. You know? <laughs> I want to talk to
1: interesting people, and somebody like yourself is the perfect person that I needed to see and appreciate talk to. And I haven't seen lot. you in a while, so exactly. And here we are with
0: well, you know, great the, ones. Hey, you know, the first time we met was actually a funny ass story. I think he walked in the studio by mistake or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't think he meant to even walk in. Wait, was...
2: why would it be by mistake? No, you just think... walked into the wrong session or? Nah, come check Hit Boy in. And... Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: So, yeah,
0: actually, yeah. yeah. So, he came to check Hit Boy.
1: Yeah.
2: And you were working and with Hit Boy? Yeah,
0: yeah. I wasn't working, but say Hit Boy was just trying to show me some, I was trying to hear some beats and I was trying to find a different direction. Mm. And Nas walks in. <laughs> and then he's leaving. I'm like, nah, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: And His whole crew. I met his crew.
0: Everybody. Those are my cousins. That's
1: your family. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This is in L.A. Yeah,
0: Yeah, in L.A.
2: Yeah, yeah. He moves heavy. I'm sure. (laughs) Burna Boy must have. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Nah, so I just have a big family. Really.
2: They travel with you everywhere, or? Yeah, Yeah, that's the way you stay. Most
0: places. Keep it tight. Get annoying. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Family. It was meant to be. Yeah, exactly. It was meant to be. I mean, like, oh wow, that's bro. I wanted to leave him let him work nah nah let's yo what <laughs> it reminded me of myself you know what, <laughs> what I'm saying like it's real type of time real nigga yeah. shit yeah if we can say that in the most highest way yeah. I, mean, yeah. that shit. But thank I appreciate
0: you, you OG appreciate thank you for man. having thank me for having thank me. you King
1: Word The next episode of The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop. We talk to Salt and Pepper.
2: I remember being on tour and like, dad, you know, men have so much bravado in their voice and they're able to command a crowd. And cause hip hop is so misogynistic, it's so testosterone-driven that we used to have to go out there and go twice as hard to get the energy from the crowd that we needed. It was kind of boot camp for us. When we step on the stage, we got our stuff together. Tight.
1: From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvec and Jason Rodriguez with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi and special thanks to Courtney Holt Jessica Dow and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life from Mass Appeal the executive producers are myself Nas Peter Bittenbender Jenya Meggs lead producer is Medina Pawana and associate producer is Serge Jabrija our writer is Gabe Alvarez Samara Lenga and cliff cristofaro are our editors thanks for listening